I invite you to uh, open your Bibles to Psalm 46, and as you're doing so, I want to add my welcome to you. Again, we're not quite sure who all is um, accessing this live stream, but uh, we miss you. Uh, we miss the family. My name is Greg Dernberger. For those of you that might be uh, accessing the live stream from somewhere else across the country, I'm also one of the elders of Emmaus Road Church and the senior pastor. Our, our plan was to give attention today to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. However, we find ourselves in a very different reality than we were in just two weeks ago. Our, our regular gathering place is closed. Our governing public officials have recommended a limit on the number of people gathering to 10. I think we have five in here today. There is an actual possibility of having contact with someone carrying the coronavirus and then passing it on to someone uh, who passes it on to someone who, because of their vulnerability, would find themselves facing devastating potentialities. So clearly now we recognize that those matters, they're just the tip of the iceberg. Some of you, because of so-called social distancing, are going a little stir-crazy, or a lot stir-crazy. Some of you are facing much more severe issues like income loss, layoff at work, uh, economic challenges that you anticipate might hurt you, really hurt you for years. And so on account of all that, it seemed that our Heavenly Father might have something else to say to us besides instruction as to how we are to govern his household. It's obvious that these are troubling times. It's plain that each and every one of us is facing some measure of inconvenience or disturbance or loss. What's not plain, what's unclear, is what further trouble is yet to come. How severe will all of this eventually be? In light of how dramatically things have unfolded just over the past two weeks, we don't really know what to expect will unfold in the next two weeks. Will the coronavirus pass us by? How long will it be until things are back to so-called normal, whatever the new normal is? What's the best case scenario? What's the worst case scenario. What will we lose? Who will we lose? I register these questions not because I want to engender more gloom, more sullenness. My purpose in register, registering them is actually the opposite. My aim is to engender hope. My purpose is to engender calm in the face of trouble, no matter what that trouble is, no matter how severe it is. And that's because we know something. You see, the more important question is not what trouble is yet to come or how much more trouble is ahead. The real question is, how will we face it? The most important question is, how will you respond to the trouble that will inevitably come, great or small, light or severe? And that brings us to God's word to us. 
in Psalm 46. Because here, the issue the psalmist faces is how do God's people respond to trouble? What makes it possible for them to respond like that? God has something very specific he wants us to know about himself. There are things for sure that God would have us to know about trouble itself, but more importantly, God would have us know the truth about himself. God wants us here and now in this point in time to know him. So let's, let's turn to Psalm 46. And uh, again, uh, even though you're at home, even though you might still be in your PJs, <laughs> you might be situated in a comfy chair with a cup of coffee. I want to invite you, if, if you are able, um, as an expression of honor and regard and trust in God's word, to stand as I read the text of Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is God's marvelous and holy and comforting and eternal word. Let's pray. We thank you, Father that it is your good pleasure to explain to us yourself. It's your good pleasure to communicate to us the truth of who you are. And it's not just so that we'll know some further information. It's because you're looking for a response. You're looking for trust. You're looking for confidence in the hearts of your people. And so we would ask that not only would the eyes of our hearts be open today to behold these 
truths so clearly communicated to us in your word, but that you might pour out your Holy Spirit and open our hearts so that there might be a fitting response to you and all that you have made yourself known to be for us, particularly in the person and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. And so wherever you are, you may be seated. In Psalm 46, God has something particular that he wants us to know about himself. God inspired the composition of this psalm in order to reveal a powerful, soul-anchoring truth about himself. But God has also something to say about trouble. God's word is not naive when it comes to hard and unexpected things. Rather, Psalm 46 tells us that we should expect trouble. Trouble is just assumed. The Bible assumes a world and a life with trouble. In the words of Job, man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. Jesus himself said, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The composer or composers of Psalm 46, they're quite confident that there will be no pushback when it comes to asserting that trouble is the common experience of everybody in this world. And so the first truth about trouble is that it's going to come. But Psalm 46 moves quickly from the fact of trouble to the force of trouble. In other words, trouble can get extreme. As the days we're in confirm, not only is trouble real, but there's a very real potential for trouble to reach extraordinary proportions. Again, Psalm 46, verses 2 and 3. They confirm it all. We will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And so according to the Bible worldview, trouble will come and sometimes it will be severe. Verses 2 and 3 describe what appears to be an earthquake. Uh, just uh, this morning, we learned from our friends in Croatia, Mario and Jen Vesenovic, they had two earthquakes just in the last 24 hours. Um, this last week in Utah, there was a, an earthquake that reached a 5.7 magnitude. And so in, in spite of everything going on with COVID-19 issues, while people are s still dealing with social distancing, the walls are quite literally falling down around them. The caption under the, the photo uh, of Utah, I think it was Salt Lake City, it says, bad timing. But that's the way with trouble. It piles up. And so the, the psalmist is asking us to really imagine a worst case scenario. There are times that it can get this bad. There are times it will be 
incredible physical stress, mental stress, social stress, financial stress, all compounded at once. Everything that can go wrong is going wrong. All the things that you counted on to be steady and stable, always there. Not only did they move, they've collapsed. One writer I read this week said, who would have ever expected a headline like, the day sports stopped in America? If there's one solid rock upon which our culture stands, it's sports. Not now. So in Psalm 46, God is telling us the truth about trouble. Trouble is a given. Sometimes it will be overwhelming. But God has something so much greater to tell us. And and that's the real burden of Psalm 46. The real urgency is to get us to know the truth about God. And that includes the truth that God is untouched by trouble. God is not affected by trouble. Notice that between verse 3 and verse 4, there is this just dramatic and sudden shift in the tone. In verses 2 and 3, the world's falling apart. And then verse 4 comes and says, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. So the picture of overwhelming trouble is replaced with a picture of striking peace. There's a river. It's a nice, friendly, peaceful river. This this river makes people happy. And this picture of sweet serenity is what it's like when God is there. You see the emphasis on the location. While every other place is vulnerable, every other place experiences things falling in, there is another place that will not fall, and that's because of the presence of God. God is addressing us and is saying, even though everything may fall in your world where you exist, in my world, all is secure. God is untouched. By trouble. God's above the fray, so to speak. God is unaffected by the troubles of this world. Now, that's not to say that he doesn't care or that God's aloof. What it means is that God is not personally susceptible or vulnerable to the the same troubles that we are. I think that's encouraging all by itself. At the very least, we can know that when we are beset with troubles, there is someone who is completely unaffected. There is someone who, when it comes, that when we come to him in all of our troubles, he's always going to be a rock. I, I, I think of it this way it's, it, it, God is actually what little children think their parents are. In our living room here, we, when my granddaughter comes, we, we, have the, we move furniture around, we put blankets so that she has a fort. That's what we call it, that's her fort. 
And uh, we were playing a little game the other day where grandmother was in the fort with my granddaughter, and uh, I was tromping around, and grandma would say, oh, we got to be quiet, because here comes grandpa. And uh, she just pushed herself right up to, to grandma, and that was a safe place with that big, noisy stomping around. God is actually what little children think their parents or grandparents are. That's, that's why little children run to their parents when they're shaken or hurt. Why? They run to us because they believe that we are unaffected by the same things that are affecting them. There's a second truth. God is not only unaffected by trouble, God is sovereign over trouble. God is involved. God is in charge. Look at verse 6. It says, The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. But he, that is God, he utters his voice and the earth melts. In other words, God controls the rise and the fall of nations, the rise and fall of governments. Verse 8, come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. In other words, God is the one who controls the duration and the outcomes of war and trouble and disease. And God has a word for anyone who believes that they are the ones who are ultimately determining what's happening in the world. Verse 10, he says, be still. That's a rebuke. Be still. I am God. Let's get one thing clear. You're not God. I am. I'm in control. So this psalm proclaims the truth that God is unaffected by trouble. It proclaims that he is sovereign over trouble. But perhaps most importantly and emphatically, Psalm 46 proclaims that God is our refuge in trouble. God is God is, God is. Oh, how we need to just <laughs> learn to fall in love with statements that begin with God is. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is a place to go where we will find protection. God is a place to go where we will find shelter. God is a place to go where we will find comfort and stability. That means that when we turn to God in the midst of trouble and put our trust in him, he will actually be like a refuge for us. Our experience of him will be like the experience of being in that fort, that fortress. And then the psalmist says God is our strength. He, he's not just an exterior wall around us. He is also the one who gives internal stamina and endurance and strength 
within us. God empowers us to know how to skillfully manage the troubles that come our way. It's the prophet Isaiah, right, who says God gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. It's our friend the Apostle Paul who says out of the riches of his glory, God will strengthen us with power by his spirit. Where? In our inner being. So God is our refuge and our strength. I don't know about you, but when I'm cooped up for days on end and when everything that I've had planned out on my calendar for months is just being canceled again, again, the next thing, canceled, canceled. When I, when I, when I see that people aren't thinking and responding to all this the way that I think they should be thinking and responding. When it falls to me to make decisions that affect lots of people, I'll tell you, I am very interested in finding a safe place, and I'm very interested in experiencing strength within. And God says, God promises, that's what I am to you. And then he says, I am a very present help in trouble. One of our core assumed doctrines is the omnipresence of God. We we believe that he's everywhere. We believe that he's near, always. But this phrase, very present, or also translated ever present help in trouble, it's not speaking so much to God's actual nearness as it is speaking to his reliability. His presence, it's more than a spatial reality. God is more reliable. That's what it's saying. He's more reliable than anything. God is more reliable than anyone else that we can turn to. This phrase speaks of God's readiness and his Eagerness to be actively involved and present with us. And notice it doesn't say that he will be a refuge and strength and a reliable help from trouble. What does it say? (laughs) He will be our refuge and strength and help in trouble. It's in the midst of the trouble that we experience Turning to God will be like being in a protected place. Turning to God will mean experiencing actual power in the midst of it. Turning to God will mean finding help. Help more reliable than than your best friend. More reliable than your, your parents can or ever will be. It means that God is more present than the trouble itself. Now, there's one more thing, and this might be the most encouraging thing. God is not a refuge and strength and ever-ready help in trouble. Listen, he is our refuge and strength and ever-ready help in trouble. That's huge. Who is the our? Who is that in Psalm 46, verse 1? If, if you're following along at home, 
in your Bibles, you might notice the words that, that are added by an editor just above verse 1. Do you see where it says, to the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. So it was the sons of Korah, whoever they are, who composed this psalm. Nobody's really quite sure what Alamoth is. It it could be a tune, it could be a melody. Um, But what we definitely do know is that Psalm 46 is a song. And the sons of Korah composed the song and they delivered the music to the director of worship, the director of music. In other words, this psalm was written and intended to be sung by God's people together. It was meant to be used in public worship. The truths were to be sung together as a people. And they gave those directions because it's just not the same thing when we sing privately. It's just not the same thing to experience the truth of this psalm when we're by ourselves, all alone, or practicing social distancing. That's why we miss so much being gathered together. The the truth of this psalm is meant to reverberate throughout the spiritual community. Everyone is to be speaking this truth. Everyone is to be singing this truth, praying this truth, proclaiming this truth together. God is our refuge and our strength and our ever-present help in trouble. And loved ones, because it says our, that means that every one of us can say that God is my refuge. God is my strength. God is my ever-present help to me. No matter what my experience of trouble might be. God wants us to know this about him in this unusual and uniquely challenging situation we are in in these days. Now, of course, God's purpose is, is not that we just look at this truth and they're just sort of check the box and, you know, move on to the next great idea. God means for us to respond. God means for us to do something with this truth. God means for this truth to actually function in our lives. And that's why verse 2 says, Therefore, 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 what is the appropriate response in light of this truth about who God is? Therefore, we will not fear. See the connection? Because God is who he is, therefore, we can be unafraid no matter what. When the truth of this promise in Isaiah I say, Psalm 46.1 is, is really appropriated if a person actually entrusts 
themselves to the promise that God is my refuge, God is my strength, God is my most reliable help, then in times of trouble, come what may, I can be still. I can be unshaken. Not reckless. Still need to exercise wisdom. But I can be unafraid. And it's because I know something. It's because I know that God is unaffected by trouble. It's because I know that God is sovereign over trouble. It's because I know that God is my refuge and my strength and I can trust him. I can trust him. You know, we, we, we talk a lot at Emmaus Road Church about living by faith and trusting ourselves, repenting and believing, and trusting ourselves to all that God has promised to be for us in Christ Jesus. What is that? Do we know what trust is? Trust is relying on what we know to be true. Trust is always based on truth. It's, it's, it's challenging. It's, it's hard. It's not even wise to trust someone that you don't know anything about. You need to know some things about a person before you can trust that person. It's the same with God. And loved ones, God wants us to know certain things about him because he wants us to trust him. And he wants us to be able to go through life with all of its troubles, great or small, without fear. And so how should we respond to all that's going on in the world right now? How should we respond to the trouble of living in a coronavirus winter? Well, it should be obvious, I think, that it's necessary that we pay close and careful attention to Simple things like personal hygiene. Not everybody's used to doing that. That's a good thing to do. Clearly, it's right for God's people to listen, cooperate, abide happily to the recommendations of our governing officials. Sadly, it is necessary at times to sort through news. You know, what's just hyped up, what's fake, what's real. But there are, there are trusted sources. We know enough. Without question, it's right to be on the lookout for one another. Keep, keep track of what's going on. One of the common graces of these times is social media and communication technology. Text somebody. Call somebody. FaceTime somebody. Check in with somebody. See how they're doing. And please be mindful to love and care, particularly for those who are most vulnerable. That's just all the givens. By all accounts, this, this trouble will eventually pass. But until then, what the world needs, probably now more than, than ever, certainly more than we've needed it in our lifetime up to now, is a people who are steadied by the truth and the grace of the gospel of God. Loved ones, listen. You, you have neighbors who need this. 
You have co-workers that need this. You have family members that need this. You have brothers and sisters at Emmaus Road Church who need this. And because God knows how much we all need it, he has graciously given us this unshakable truth about himself. And he intends for us to rely on that truth for our good and for his glory. You know, the biggest trouble of all time, not just today, is the trouble of sin. And in Christ Jesus, God is a refuge. A refuge from wrath. God is strength for those who have trusted Christ Jesus. He is their sanctifying help. God is our ever-reliable, ever-reliable help in the midst of that greatest of all troubles. And so we give glory to him today. And again, not knowing all who are watching this live stream today or who will be watching this live stream in the days to come, trust and trust the one who you can know is trustworthy. Trust your Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and for the fulfillment of every rock-solid promise God has made to you, including the promise of eternal life. Entrust yourself to his strength that you might obey his commands for his glory. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, where can we go from your spirit? Where shall we flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I were to say, oh, man, Surely the darkness is, is, is going to cover me and the light about me is going to be night. Even the darkness isn't dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. We trust all that you have said about yourself, and we do that by your grace. We thank you for a great Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who makes every promise that you've made about yourself, Father, absolutely sure, certain, trustworthy, rock solid. And we need you in these days. We need you to be actual protection. We pray that, that the afflictions of these days might pass over us. Would you have mercy on us in that way? We need you to be our strength internally. It's more than we can bear at times. Obviously, we need more than what we have in and of ourselves. And Lord, we, we pray that you would bring about a, a great assurance that you are reliable, that you are ready to respond to your people with all that you are 
if we call upon you. And we ask that uh, you would strengthen our faith, strengthen our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.